Episode 98 of Gaming NBS, sponsored by GameholeCon, a gaming convention coming to Madison, Wisconsin in November. Get your ass to GameholeCon and visit GameholeCon.com for more information. like the uh, man said, this is Gaming NBS. I'm one of your host, Sean. <laughs> I'm Brett. Welcome to like the a, show. Welcome back. I stumbled. You totally just like, stumbled. I, just like I did this weekend. I went for a run. Yeah. I posted it on Facebook, my my, my nice raspberry. Oh, you fell? That's I funny. fell. <laughs> yeah, I fell. And my wife's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's like, what happened? You know, and I, I told her, so my wife laughs at anybody that falls. <laughs> so I said, you would have laughed. She's like, I know I would have. And then she laughed. And then she said, where? And I said, right on Northport, like yeah. one of the busy streets. Like I just running along. And boof. Cracking a sidewalk, man. Ass over tea kettle. <laughs> got freaking scratches on my hands. And the, like, the, the biggest bruise he has, folks, is his pride. You can see oh. it from here. He's got this big purple and black pride bruise. Yeah, that's honestly that's the worst part for me about doing something incredibly asinine in public. He's like, "Wow, I just embarrassed the shit out of myself." Hey, look at me, everybody! Oh, God. I felt like I was ten year old, ten years old. Like, look how fast I can run, and then just going crack on your face. Right? Uh, yeah. So stumbling over uh, the intro, but anyways, right. announcements. So announcements. Evercon, my uh, team and I, we've got our special guest list coming. We've got a few that we had finalized, and we're meeting this Saturday. Excuse me, to make sure that we've got everything ticked tied and I'm good to go with announcement-wise. But I think we're going to have uh, a couple cool folks that uh, people like to see, hang out with, game with, hopefully, and all that good stuff. So I will uh, give the rundown next episode because I will have it finalized. The suspense is killing me. It ought to be. Oh, okay. the other piece while we're talking about conventions with GameholeCon, we've had a number of folks in our uh G plus community that are going to be running and going to be attending game will kind of been talking about different cool things they're running for. So Gary's talked about stuff. Uh, God, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my brain here and forget other folks, but we do have a number of other people out there. They're saying, Hey, I'm running. Uh, we've got one dude who's going to be running a uh, fiasco. God, I'm losing my mind. I can't remember who posted Tim. it. Tim, Tim, thank you. Tim, Tim burning. Yeah. Yep. God, I feel like a complete jackass. I should have paid attention to who that was. Anyway, my apologies, Tim. Anyhow, if you haven't hit the community, it's a good opportunity to go out there now and just kind of see what folks are putting up. I know Roger Braslett's coming from Maine, one of the, like, what, five gamers out in that part of the country. <laughs> but he's going to be out. He's going to be running some um, some Warhammer, if I don't miss my guess. And he and I will be the Warhammer first ed guys running stuff. Yeah, Tim uh, Verning is doing the fiasco thing. So anyway, people have been talking about what they're doing and what's coming up, asking about different types of things. So, hey. Get out there, poke around, see what you see. So in episode 97, we did uh, mention everybody uh, who's running a game under Gaming and BS. And uh, Jason Hobbs Hobbs is coming up from the Illinois area to run uh, a DCC game-ish. I think it's the Black... Oh, he's going to... He's like... Probably Black, to this Black Sun game. Death Crawl? I believe so. Oh, yeah. I've heard yeah. nothing but good things about Black Sun Death Girl. I, I think he is running that, but he's only coming up for a day, so he's a little perturbed that we may have our soiree on Saturday because I think he has to go back to life or something on well, Saturday. That means, we, that means we have to give Mr. Hobbs a little special something on Friday, and we can't just let the man go without. That's not like fair. A, like a swirly? Maybe. 
Something, <laughs> hey, maybe something nicer than that. Anyway, we got to do something for him if he's gonna if he's gonna cruise all the way up just for a day, run some kick ass gaming, and head back. I mean, that's that's worthy of something. He's been trying to get me down to RockCon or what what's Con or whatever it's called now. It used to be RockCon. Okay, and it's down in Illinois and it's in Rockford. And I said, well, I don't know. And then he's like, he. <laughs> an attitude on me and in instant message i said easy there crab ass <laughs> like i'll see what i can do so all right to... well we may have to make an appearance yeah sweet anything else yeah. for announcements man no let's get on random encounter element of the show where we field emo emails voicemails and comments from social media got a few i think chris Shore chris shorb has um called in as well well, very cool. Should I yeah. should I start with Tom's? Sure. While you're getting that queued up, yes. <clears throat> Sean's working the magic. That when Sean says, "I think he called in," means shit. I don't know if I have that queued up. So I will start with Tom Bagwell. Writes in about episode ninety seven, the last one about imprisoning PCs. I found imprisoning PCs can work nicely if it's only part if it's only part of the group. It lets the rest try to break them out. Hopefully, if you're feeling nice, it can it can be a PC whose player is out that session. Oh, that's always fun. Uh, I've also found that they're more accepting of capture if it's a villain or some type as opposed to the city guard. Less compunction about casualties on the way out and easier on me as a GM to allow credible lapses in security. Good point, Tom. I like that. There is a piece there, right, where the city guard grabs you like, really, really? And there's a you dick DM type of thing that comes out. But if it's the bad guy doing it, you feel like it's part of the grander scheme or plot that's going on. (laughs) Jim Fitzpatrick uh, writes in also on this one, says, I wasn't sure I would like this episode, but I really did. Well, thank you, Jim. Awfully kind of you to say so. I haven't locked up the party in a long time, but if I did it now, I'd probably do it with the escape attempt being a foregone conclusion. You figure that the average NPC jail guard is some kind of nameless schlub and isn't going to stand a chance against a group of trained adventurers in most cases, even if the adventurers are roughed up and have no gear. So I think Chris comments on this too. Let me double check and see if I can get this back on the air here. Hey, Brett and Sean, it's Chris Shore. I haven't called you guys in a while. Uh, I've been participating on the uh, the Google Plus forums, but I was in the middle of the imprisonment episode, episode ninety-seven, and um, as I'm listening, Brett has just finished saying that starting off the campaign in prison isn't much fun. Why not just start immediately after the breakout and pick up the action from there? And I get his point. I understand, you know, that feels like that's when the action is. However, I do want to say that in the, um, in the current D and D campaign I'm playing, it's the underdark campaign, princes of darkness or something like that. I don't know. We're going to fight some demon, some demons and stuff. Um, that one starts off in the prison and we break out. And the cool thing about that, like the prison scene, Okay, I'll be honest. The prison stuff wasn't super fun. However, what it did, the guards were cruel to us. They killed some of the other people in the party. No PCs uh, and no players either. But they killed some of the other people in the uh, other prisoners. And what it did is it, A, gave us a fear of these guys. So when they started chasing us, we were like, oh, man, they are on our tail. We got to really stay ahead of them. And then, B, it gave us a really good relationship with that enemy. So um, that's kind of the one cool thing that I really liked about starting off in the uh, in prison and then in interacting with uh, the organization that's imprisoned us. Uh, it helps build that animosity early. Uh, yes, we knew we were going to escape, but um, 
but we got a chance to develop that uh, relationship there. So, uh, anyways, keep up the good work. Great show, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. That was good. Yeah. That was good stuff. I like. I think the um, we t- we touched on it last time, or at least I had. We I gave the whole hey, it, it feels like kind of a railroad type of thing, or like hey, it's a foregone conclusion. We've also talked about it before. Is that if something feels very linear or whatever, as long as the scenery is good, as long as there's cool stuff to do along the way, oftentimes you can forgive something as long as it's not kind of ramrodded, like just really hard thrust at you. Like it's what what Chris is describing. Learning stuff, building animosity with NPCs, figuring out how things work and so forth. That's really good stuff. I like that because then it, it takes that from being a fine, we have to escape. Can't we just get past this bit and get on with the real adventure or whatever? It takes it and makes it a key component to the to the entire storyline or campaign because what you learn and feel and experience and the reality that comes out at the table during that portion of the uh, of the adventure, the imprisonment piece sets the stage for everything else that comes afterwards because of all the great backstory that happens. So I like that. That's good stuff, Chris. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, Tom, Jim, and Chris, all commenting on imprisoning PCs. Uh, Going, moving on, Jim also comments on Google Plus about play-by-post. Anyone out there in BS sphere do a play-by-post slash forum slash email kind of thing. One of my current games is stagnating a bit because we can't get together. Players on two different continents, which probably is more, com- s- more common than I think I, I would have. Had you brought this up to me a couple years ago, I said, oh, how common is that? But that happens a lot now. Yeah. And I'm thinking we might try to migrate to, to, to the play-by-post rather than abandon it. If you do play-by-post, can you talk about how you've made it work, what sites you use, what alterations you make to your system and anything that tripped you up, et cetera. So and a couple there's people, been a few comments. Yep, yeah. A few people responded. I, I have done it before and I started one not too long ago with my friends um, for a side little game of Avalon and with works. Eh, well, you with, have no friends. Oh, so this is made that up. That hurts. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that hurts. Fred has friends. <laughs> my, well, as long as my mom keeps sending the checks, everyone's still talking to me. <laughs> anyway, um, the so one risk I have had with it, and this is what happened to me right now, is that I had a lot of energy and stuff going into it. We were pretty fast and furious, regular post, blah blah blah, <clears throat> and then it fell because a couple of people couldn't respond in a quote unquote timely manner. One of the pieces that we didn't do this time around was say, "Hey, how often should we expect something to be posted?" And it sounds like. Um, God, it may be fairly heavy-handed. Maybe this is a topic for an entirely different episode. But if you're going to play by a post, if you're expecting everyone to respond once a week and or engage in the storyline or something once a week or every other day or something, those expectations, that setting of that up front can be really helpful. And it stops like, okay, should I keep going because Brett hasn't bothered to respond yet? And then the rest of the players go off and do something. And then here comes Brett saying, oh, Sean, Sean, I'm back. I was on vacation. I forgot to tell you or whatever the case is. So that that can be just the the amount of interaction you're expecting is important, I believe, to get that out front. The other thing that I have done is I tend to run – it's obviously a theater of mind. I don't do a lot of maps. However, when I do posts on the Google Plus community, which is how I've done it recently, um, <coughs> excuse me, I will grab images for a, a scene – like if it's a house or a bad guy or a monster, I'll, I'll put a picture up there because it grabs the, the player's attention. And 
because it is all theater of the mind, I don't want to bog it down with die rolling. So what I do is I try to lean into my Amber training from when I used to run Amber <laughs> Diceless and narrate our way through it. If the players give me good narration, there's no reason that they can't succeed. And if they miss something in my narration, then, hey, they failed, or if they leave an opening or whatever the case is. So I tend to run it completely diceless and and heavy, heavy narrative and uh, still get some pretty touch-and-go moments there, but I don't do it with the dice. I don't have the players roll dice and tell me what they rolled or anything like that. I know some people have done that. It's just not my thing. Sean? Yeah, I've played uh, play-by-post one campaign and... Uh, it was via Yahoo Groups, and it was with, God, I think it was like five people I didn't know, ever met. Um, they were all different kinds of locations. The individual that was running, it was Eberron D&D 3.0, um, had a very well-defined campaign kind of standard on what to expect, um, laid out those expectations to the players, Um it, as far as was that like confrontation? Hey, this is how we'll deal with conflict. This is how we'll do. How many times you should post all that stuff? Yep. yep wow. Nice. Yep, okay. Yep. Yeah. So how how often are, are is someone expected to post? How combat is going to run or any type of conflicts and the mechanics involved? So even like, and the way that it was positioned. So if it was we were playing Dark Lantern, so it was more espionage in D anD D three O World of Eberron. So we would go and investigate something that we were kind of mission driven. And if it was, okay, I go into the room or I check the room or whatever the case is. And he would say, you're coming, you know, you, he would narrate it in the text saying, somebody's coming down the hallway, you hear footsteps, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they enter the room or you, you, or they blast the door open. Give me your roles. Now you are not, you are now in combat give me your roles um, or your actions. And the way he would do it is if it, something like that turned out, you would end up putting out three actions at, at when you post. So he had all this kind of uh, nuances put into place. Um, I didn't finish it to the end. And he had said that he was going to try to publish something formally around his kind of method. Now, I, I don't think he would have been able to do it forever on necessarily, but I think he was looking to, well, just takes, how, how he does it and say, hey, this right. is how I've done this. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Or even just what the results were. Anyways, I had, so it's not that easy. If you want a good, it's funny because like literally the, the time Jim asked, like two days before that, I listened to NPC cast and their June 17th episode was on play by post and they interviewed somebody on their show about play by post because that's what they do. They actually run a play by post website. Oh, very and, cool. Yeah, and they were, I cannot remember the person's name, but they were interviewing interviewing him, but having a dialogue around play-by-post, the advantages, disadvantages, um, pitfalls to... I've done when, for me, I think the other piece, when you mentioned the Black Lantern's more espionage um, for my experiences with it, it has been more role-playing, talky, investigative versus mass battles of, you know, your group of five people right. against a horde of goblins who are supported by a phalanx of hobgoblins supported by the drow. I, I have not done that just because it becomes a narrative nightmare to try to get everything unless you do larger blocks and chunks. But anyway, so 
I, I, tend, is, they, they, I tend to run them small, I guess what I'm saying is small conflicts, small platforms. And if you can get players that are decent about narrating what they're attempting to do in a very well-written prose, it goes a long ways. And I think, in my opinion, I was, I was telling my group, I'm like, I'm in this play-by-post, and my buddy was like, yeah, it's just collaborative storytelling, which in some instances, I guess you could say that. But my argument was that it could be more immersive than playing at the table. And I'll, I'll stipulate that by saying, because when you're reading things, like we, we do Roll20. And even before Roll20, I ran a, a small, a couple sessions using just Skype, no video. In the no Skype, no video, you don't have any video to distract you. And it's, it's audio. And when you will need to hear things, you need to listen pretty closely when you're at the table. I mean, granted, you could always have the person repeat themselves, but it seems as though, I don't know why, but online, it seems kind of faux pas to kind of, can you say that again? Can you say that again? But at the table, it's not a big deal. So what I'm getting at is when you do play by post and it's in text and you're reading it, you really read kind of everything that's going on, soaking it in much more. Yeah. The other piece is that, um, what I guess what, what Sean is saying is that if you're very fortunate, you have people that are very skilled writers. I've got a couple of guys in my group. Beta is a very good author. Lenny's a good author. And full uh, good grammar, good sentence structure, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to get like this, I am Neil no. Gaiman or, you know, or somebody. As long to, as it's clear. But you just have to be clear. And yeah. you, forgive the misspellings, forgive the occasional comma, faux pas, but it has to be, you know, decent. You know, right. new, newsprint type type language, and uh, but there is something kind of cool about that because you're, it pops up and there is a level of anticipation for me when I am running a active and a lot of fun play by post. If you want the next post, I'm like checking it, checking it. Oh, Aaron posted. Oh, this is fucking cool. Da 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 da. This happened. Oh, Alpha did something. Bam bam bam. This is what happened. It's interesting. You are waiting, really anticipating that other person to, to do something. Um, because you want to see what comes next. And it's not like, hey, dude, your turn, your turn. Go, 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 go. You, it, the distractions, I think, to Sean's point, can be minimal, at least for me anyway, because I'm just sitting there hitting refresh, <laughs> waiting for the next person to post so I can keep on with it. But might be an interesting topic to carry on later, dude. But, I'm sure. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's fun, and I've had a lot of good times with them. So, Jim, I tell you what, man, if you end up doing it, I would love to hear, and I think the rest of our listeners would love to hear how you're doing it. If you've got a methodology, if you've found someone who has a system that you like or something, that would be cool to hear about because it's um, it's a really good way to do as you're doing, you know, playing with people on two different continents and uh, having engaging, engaging storytelling. It's, it's, it could be really cool. Yeah, listen to that episode by NPC Cast, if only to find out what platform that individual runs because it is catered towards play-by-post. So when you have side discussions, you can manipulate it that way. And and, and it really the, is set up to to drive that type of, or to facilitate that type of game. And that's the June 17th episode of NPC Cast. Yeah. Get it at your local podcatcher. That's right. You're welcome, NPC Cast. <laughs> um, Tim DeShane from RI posts on Google+. Plus. Um, what's up, BSers? I've been thinking about gaming as therapy. When my PSD got bad, PTSD, excuse me, when my PTSD got bad, once I got over the anxiety to leave the house, I threw myself back into gaming. 
For a while, I found little enjoyment in the things that I used to love. Once that passed, gaming seemed to really help. Running games was beneficial in reducing the cognitive problems I was experiencing, memory trouble, putting thoughts into words, etc. It helped my social anxiety. Not sure if you guys could get a whole show out of this topic, but it might be interesting. Tim, um, Tim put this up on Google+. Plus. I responded. One of the guys I game with currently, and I've talked to Sean about this off the mics. He's uh, uh, ex-Army, and um, he... he Bluntly, he got blown up, right? So he he didn't lose limbs or anything bad, but he it did not go good for him, and he has problems. He has he's got PTSD. He's got some medical issues and and different uh, things and joint pain and so forth that happened. You know when, when the Humvee flipped and all that crap. It's not a good story. However, he is an awesome gamer, and the thing that his wife was so happy about for him was when he started gaming again. When he's the guy I'm running Middle Earth for, my Merp game, one of the guys I'm running Merp for. When he started playing his Merp, Rollmaster, and getting back into gaming, and he came to Evercon last year, his wife has pulled us aside and said, this is a remarkable difference. He's doing great. This is awesome. It's really good for him. And I know I've met other men and women that have had um, similar problems, um, not necessarily military-related, but other uh, other issues. And gaming is that place where they can go with a good group of people, and they can just kind of throw everything out there and is a really good mental level set. And I think that uh, gaming as therapy is, I think it's a really, it's not only interesting, but I honestly believe it's a hundred percent real. I mean, I'm seeing it in action with my buddy and how it makes his life a better, a better thing. It makes him more interested in things and helps him get, he's a super social guy and it helps him maintain that, right? And I just I see some really cool magical things. I hate to use that phrase, magical, but it's just magical to watch this happen. And I'm I believe I'm privileged to be a part of it, not to be overly sappy, but it's really cool to be able to do something that I love doing, and then helping the people I'm gaming with. That's really cool. Yeah, I uh, I mean, what's what's what else is there to say about it other than I know Pure Mongrel is studying. Um, I think in Australia doing some, I think he's kind of looking into some of this stuff of the psychology piece of it. And then yes, of course, yeah, he's posted about that on, the, on our uh, G Plus side. Before. And I, I know Chris um, D from here in Madison, who's uh, an instructor over here at one of the local colleges. Um, and I know him, he's actually done a thesis, I think, on gaming. Um, and I want to say it was, was it women in gaming? I don't know. I'm prob, I call him Professor Egghead affectionately. Um, but he he commented on it as well and talked about it. And I know that he is more on the professional side where he would have some insight into it um, because of his degree, uh, his PhD in psychology. But uh, it's, yeah, it's crazy how um, beneficial gaming can be, whether it's autism or PTSD. A lot of things are coming to fruition, um, how the hobby can benefit. Um, I know depression is something that people succumb to. And I know gaming has probably helped maybe, maybe in a different way. Um, but I think, I, you know, I don't know all the psychology interactions and I mean, I am far from a doctor. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. This I mean, is one God. of those, this is one of those topics that when Sean, like I have armchair. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm like, um, I'm as good about this as I am as a quarterback for the Packers. Right. I've got a, you know, right. that, this is about as far as we go. I think, Generally speaking, though, the cool part is it's the, the, the concept of it's more than a game. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's more than a game, especially to certain people. Well, that's Not what only, Victor, Victor said that. Exactly. It's, like it's good to see my hobby is even 
more and way above being a hobby. Yes. Yeah. Victor right? Wyatt. Something, yep. something to that effect. Yes, he did. And it's really awesome. And it, it helps me kind of stay grounded. Sometimes I'm having a lot of fun and I think, oh, it's got to be fun and fun is all that matters. And sometimes it, it is, right? I mean, fun fun really matters. If you're not having a good time gaming, it, it sucks. But there's something really cool to understanding the other players that you have. You don't have to get in everybody's psyche. <clears throat> Excuse me. You don't have to know that, you know, Brett, um, when I was getting divorced, you know, 13, 15 years ago, what the hell it was, Christ, I lose track of time. But, you know, when, when that was happening, you're bummed out. You're kind of depressed about things. It's not working. Not everybody at the table needs to know all the intricacies of what's going on in Brett's head. However, they all knew that while we were there gaming, everything else fell away, and this was just a great place to be. It was really helpful to me. Now, granted, it's that's nothing compared to a PTSD and other problems that people have had. And if this is a thing that could help people in any way, that is just fucking awesome. I don't know any way, other way to say it other than not cussing, but it's just really, really cool that something as apparently mundane as sitting across the table, rolling dice, and fighting and talking to imaginary things helps you become a better person and fight through a struggle, that's just cool. That's so cool that we can be a part of that. Well, and then the other thing is that, you know, we have had such a stigma attached to it when we were growing up. And now, I mean, I'm at work. I tell people I'm a gamer and they go, oh, I mentioned this before, Xbox, PS2. I'm like, no, I am a gamer. Oh, you a board game, Monopoly. No, no, I play tabletop role-playing games. They kind of look at me cross-eyed, and I'm like, you know, pen, paper, dice, Dungeons and Dragons. They're like, as soon as I say D and D, it's like, oh, ding, you know. But the thing is, is that the the when we're talking about this specifically, and you get somebody that kind of like scoffs at it or guffaw, you know, and but but it, it really truly is a type of therapy for somebody that can help them deal and cope with whatever it is that they are having to deal with. And gaming is a particular uh, an avenue that they can use. I mean, it, it's healthy, right? Those, I, mean, I mean, talk it, about it, like it's shut real... the hell up, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's like, <laughs> hey, you're being kind of an asshole here because you don't know anything about this hobby. Yeah, everybody gets their kind of own thing out of it, but if you're gonna like poo poo it, and you don't really know what that is, like especially when it comes to something as serious as PTSD and, you know, autism, et cetera, like we mentioned, I mean, come on, like, do you even know what the hell you're talking about anymore? No, absolutely. It's, so. it's really interesting. And it's one of those things I'd, the only reason I hesitate to go like full bore in is I think Sean would have to get ourselves an expert we, of some yeah, sort. We, we gotta get somebody that because otherwise that. I'm going to use, <laughs> Sean and Brett, we, we misuse terms to begin with and I'm going to inadvertently offend somebody who I do not mean to offend, but I just, I mean, well, we're not, we don't have, I mean, I don't, I've never been clinically diagnosed with PTSD or I mean, autism or, nope. you know, so, and then we don't, we don't, we haven't gone to six to eight years of schooling and schooling to understand else, yeah. psychology well enough and psychiatry and all this other stuff. So, I mean, but I for us we, to sit up here and kind of I mean, Preach. gaming we can bull <laughs> gaming we can bullshit about, but this yeah. stuff's kind of serious. It's oh, very serious. Yeah. I think the the key thing I believe that you'd agree with me on here is that it's helped me in a number of tough times. I'm pretty sure it's been a, a rock for you in some in some instances. It's a consistent. Sure. It's a great, um, a great connection and a release and a reset valve and so forth. Just for my petty mundane shit I deal with, if that can is at any way able to elevate and help somebody with serious problems. 
That's just right. fucking awesome. It right. is so cool. Right. For me, it's it gets me through a week or it prevents me from smashing somebody in the face. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I don't I'm not in jail because I game. I yeah. should tell people that. I game and roll dice so I don't punch you in the face yeah. and go to jail. I'm killing five orcs tonight, so I don't <laughs> kill you tomorrow. <laughs> motherfucker. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right, let's get to the main topic. Let's do it. What are we talking about this week, brat? Well, I want to talk a little bit about um, the pressure that game masters have uh, around failure or not trying or trying not to fail. Pressure. Uh, I went Billy Joel. Oh, that's all right. That's good too. Pressure. <laughs> Anyhow, um, we have uh, a drive. Uh, if you're behind the screen, to use the, that analogy as always, if you're behind the screen, you really want every game to be just goddamn amazing. You don't want to fail. You want it to be a great game every time. <sighs> and I know I take it really personally when I, if I'm like, God, that session didn't feel good. Oh my God, what did I do wrong? Oh, Jesus is killing me. I try to figure stuff out, and someone goes, well, yeah, actually, Brett, it did kind of suck. You took away our agency for three hours, you jackass. They don't normally say jackass, but like, ah, damn, I did that. Oh, my God, I failed. I mentioned that before. And it's a piece that we have to embrace. I think we're going to fail. We're going to try something new. I'm going to pick up something that Chris Nizek says, hey, here's a deal. If I were you, Brett, you're going to run Dungeon World the first time, I'd do X. Do it like this. i give it a go, and if, say it fails on me. Oh, God, it failed. What did I do wrong? Failure is a part of the learning curve for gaming. And I think there is um, the pressure on game masters. Even some players, we'll talk players angle as well a little bit. But I think there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. And sometimes the players and other people around us put on us and that they get pissy. We're like, well, there's a hole in the story. Oh, there's a hole over here. And the the negativity that can come with it can, can be pretty brutal. So just want to talk about some of the different things around that and uh, see where we land with it. That that cool with you? It is, and I have okay. Yes, I will leave it at that. I'll You'll let leave you, it at that. Well, I was like, I was going to start just just going going crazy, and I figure maybe there's some structure on there, this. Well, there could be. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how. Yeah, who knows? Maybe <laughs> if we have structure we'll, on this, it'll be the first time in we'll start eight episodes. We're going to start. You know that'll Ep- that'll be episode. Our first. Episode 98 on is yeah, pretty good. There was some structure. Yeah, <laughs> Everything previous to that, I don't know what the hell they did. Anyhow, <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's, there is, the sound. this might be very rudimentary and whatnot, but I think it's worth remembering. Um, trying something new at the gaming table and having it fail is totally fine. And I think there's a number of reasons why that's okay. And it's kind of the, you know, what did you, what did you learn from it? <clears throat> so one of the things I'd heard a lot about, for example, was, um, sound effects, but guys, I knew were they were back in the day, were making mixtapes or trying to burn CDs or trying to do different things. And even now with MP3s and iTunes and different playlists and stuff, Oh, we should do this. We can do that. I have one adventure that I can run with sound. Otherwise I can't do it. Every time I do it, it falls flat. I've tried it a couple different times. It has failed every time, except for that one game I run digging for a dead God by John Wick. Anything other than that just dies on me. And I've learned from that. I'm like, you know what? It's a distraction for me as the game master. I've spent too much time trying to make sure I've got the right sound as opposed to keeping the table going. I'm not doing it. 
I've learned that if other people can master it and they are, their brains are wired that way or whatever, good on them. But it's a thing I've tried I can't do. I know what it would take to do it, and I'm not prepared to do it. I know I know it's something I'm not necessarily good at, and, you know, doggone it, that's okay. I'll just so you're talking about you're talking about failing as a game as a player as a game master. Yeah. And that is one of your shortcomings is being able to well, I'm not saying do it, that I, piece. I'm just saying it's yeah, I'm like, you know, that's a that's a thing I couldn't do, but I learned like, okay, I'm not doing it wrong per se. I just don't like doing it. I don't care for it. It didn't do anything. My players all they when we talked about it afterwards like, hey, you know what? It was just distracting. Um and I learned So this is so this is different than is this one of the same discussions around players failing or oh, yeah. Player uh, characters failing, players, or both players and game masters, not characters. Players and game masters players failing. Game masters. Come on, well, it's good that me. you come clarified on, that because I was, I was, I know I was going to start to go off the deep end. <laughs> okay, players and game masters failing. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, I apologize. Oh, dude, I was opening a beer while you were talking earlier. It's my <laughs> brain is... can, my, dude, my brain. It's hey, I can do one, one track thing. Mind. Yes, exactly. So I think. Um, Along those way, along those lines, is that what I was trying to do with sound in my games. So I was trying yes. to find a better way to engage the players and really have them pay attention. And I found a better way to do that was modulate my own voice, use accents, um, change the pitch, the tone, volume, all those things. I stood up when I run games. I stand. I learned that because I'm like, you know what? I can't. <clears throat> it's easier for me to stand, modulate my voice in different ways to get people's attention, um, raise tension at the table, drop it down, mellow things out, whisper here, yell there, scream here, make a noise, roar, do something, than it is sounds, for me sounds, to fumble sounds along. Like, sounds like my house on a Friday night. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> he has a lot of pets. That's what we talk about, pets. Anyway, um, then it is for me to fumble with um, a music system of some kind to try to, to try to invoke the same type of feeling. Like, you know what? A better way for me to do this would be to amp up what I'm already doing. So through failing at being able to figure out how to do the sound effects thing, I went, you know what I can do? I can do this other thing, and I can get the same end result, but a way that works for Brett. So I failed doing it one way. I've succeeded in another. That's what I'm talking about. Oh. Come on. Come on. I see. It's kind of like I... uh you know, I, I'm short in this and I have to compensate for it, which makes me better in that. That too. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> this is why I game so I don't punch you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. This See how therapeutic this is? This is very, yes. Yes. I mean, we have a podcast to take it to another level yeah. because we are that high strung. I might have to go kick my dog when I'm done talking to you. <laughs> well, so we better keep talking until that until passes over. That. So, so Sean, does this make sense what I'm talking about? Is that it we, does now that I know what the hell you're talking uh, about? You and your logic and reason. I, I, one of the things that I brought, uh, I've been thinking of is that I'm probably kind of a shitty GM. Well, I didn't want to say that out loud. Well, you know, no one is half the battle, right? Like being self aware. Well, that's, that's the thing about being willing to fail, though, is that you're like, yeah. look, I want to try to run this game. I think this would be really cool, and you get done with it, and being self-aware enough to go, that didn't work. But what, what what didn't work? How come I may, failed? Well, that, so podcasting kind of runs into that, and that, you know, there's people that are like, I need it to be absolutely perfect, and it's like, no, you have to get it out. Like if you keep analyzing and 
figuring out like you have everything that you need to. That's going to like planning for game masters, right? Yeah. Oh, I got to plan everything. I got to be ready for everything because Brett is going to be the one player. He's going to bring up something. I'm, I got to be prepared for whatever they bring up. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't. And that's going back to the failing piece, right? See, yep. see how I got there? That long, you did. That was nice. Yeah, but I, I tie it all together, man. But I, you know, one thing, so going, getting back to my original point where I may, I may be a shitty GM. Let's just put it there. I may be a shitty GM. One of the things that I haven't done, which I have recorded, I've recorded our sessions for Star Wars Edge of the Empire. And I may, we may release those to Patreons. I don't know. We may have to see if there's going to be a potential lawsuit involved first. We have to censor the crap out of that. We got pretty nasty. But nonetheless, you know, I, uh, I find listening to our podcast to be beneficial because if I stumble over words or I have a lot of filler words, I want to hear that. And if I hear that, I think I can speak. I could become a better speaker. No, that makes sense. Having said that, if I listen to our Edge of the Empire sessions and go, holy shit, I am a really shitty GM, I can not have to solicit feedback from the players, which may bruise my awesome, ultra-superior ego. You can listen to the quiet of your own home in the dark in a closet with a bottle of Jack going, oh my God, if only I knew what I was doing. Pretty, pretty much. Okay, I get that. Yeah, right, pretty much. But I, mean- but I, could, I, could, I could warrant feedback. But I don't know how honest and, and true it would be, right? I mean, maybe it's like, oh, we got to sugarcoat it a little bit because we don't want to squish Sean's ultra superior alter, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But I think the, what I guess I'm, what I want to push here is that we'll read, we'll read a thing. Like, um, so if you go back, episode one, listen forward, as we've always said, there are a number of different tips or tricks that Sean and I have thrown out using um, the episode around living gear. The episodes that we talked about, even when we, episode, uh, I think it was episode 80, when we talked to um, Ron Blessing and Christian Serrano, and we talked to those guys around um, uh, Savage Worlds. They threw out some tips and tricks about, hey, how to keep the Benny economy flowing, how to do this, how to do that. And you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to take that to my Savage Worlds table, I'm going to give it a shot. And you try it, and it, bleh, it just dies on you, and it doesn't pan out. There's that feeling that, oh my God, I suck. And I mean, not everybody takes things quite that personally, like Sean or Brett does, or other folks. Yes, there you go. Speaking of slow on the soundboard, <laughs> I got Gus running the soundboard. Yeah, that's Gus. He sucks. Anyhow. He's trying to do drums and soundboard at the same time, and he can't. He's got a hard time. Yeah. Well, the guy's like 100,000 years old, man. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Damn it, kids. Anyway, um, I think. By trying these different tips and tricks and stuff, there is, and we've mentioned this before, at least I believe we have, you know, pick one, pick two. You're going to pick up a book like um, like Focal Point, uh, Phil Vecchione in on that with the engine publishing guys. And if you pick that up, there's a ton of great data in there. You pick up some uh, Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering. You pick up uh, John Wick's Play Dirty Stuff. There's all sorts of different ideas and advice. Gnome Stew, great ideas, great advice. Trying to slam it all in at once, perhaps gonna recipe for failure. Shit, man! Not just listen to that freaking I don't know three quarters of the goddamn RPG podcasts out there. I mean, yeah, it's all to take all this shit in. I mean, it's way too much. It is. It's a ton. Yeah. The cool, the cool thing is, wow, that was neat. You make a note, say, I'm gonna try this next game, and if it fails, just go that didn't work. <laughs> you know, right. and 
if you're fortunate enough to be able to figure out why it didn't work, either listening to yourself as Sean recorded us or having people give you honest, non, you know, asshole-ish feedback, like, hey, you know what? I think it was okay, but it was really distracting that you did X, you know? This concept of, you know, critical hits against my armor was okay. It sounded really cool, but uh, I just didn't like it. It's almost that, hey, we try a new game system and everyone thinks, hey, this is going to be the best thing since sliced bread. They play it and go, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like the funky dice. I don't like having to do this thing. I like doing this other thing better. And you're going to fail. And that is okay. I Part of what brought this topic to my mind was seeing the different posts on Facebook and Google Plus about... I really want to make sure I do this right. Am I playing this game appropriately? Game masters and players, are we doing this right? I get it that we want to make sure we're playing the game as it's meant to be played. I get it that we want to make sure that we understand the rules and we're using them appropriately. But when I read this, I feel when I'm reading a lot of these things, that they're like desperately trying. I don't want to fail. I want this game to be perfect. I want this game to be just fucking epic and just mind-blowing amazingness. And I'll tell you right here, I'm here to tell you, man, I've run a ton of games in you know my forever years of doing this, and I'll, I have a large number of them that were not all that good, you know storylines that just <laughs> yeah. failed. I mean, I ran, right, Brad, I, ran tell vamp- I ran vampire for like fifteen years, and there's a number of storylines in there that nobody remembers for a damn good reason because they sucked. There's a number of really cool storylines we could count those on two hands. That was really cool, but through that time period, there were a number of them that two like hand, were short- two hands. Two hands, Brett. Yeah, two hands. Oh, that's how fucking good I am. Anyhow, two, better. Two hands. Wow. <laughs> anyway, it does. It didn't stop me. Right. What you tried to do is pick something from them that you can learn and carry on with it. And that I think is where guys like Sean and I, or other podcasters, Chris and Phil, and other folks out there talking about different tips or ideas, is saying, "Hey, I failed at this thing. If I were you, I'd try this because this worked for me." Chances are, it might work for one of you out there. If we've got five listeners, one of the five of you might find it useful. Or all five of you will try it, and you're like, God damn, that didn't work at all. However, if you're smart with it, you'll take it and go, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? I was distracted. It didn't resonate with the players. If I changed it, or the players wanted to flip it, okay, maybe we need to do something different. Um, But tearing that apart yourself and doing a little deconstruction of what failed can help you learn from it and make it better next time. And if we don't fail, you're going to be stuck playing the same D&D you did when you were in high school, the same Savage Worlds game you did when you first started. You're not going to be able to push yourself in your skills. Some people might not find any need to push their skills or desire to improve as game master or player. But for those of us who take this hobby as seriously as Sean and I do, that we dedicate you know every Sunday to, to do this thing, um, it's worth it. It's worth it to put the time and the effort in to try and know that I'm going to try something new and it might fucking fail on me and I'll be okay with that because I'm going to learn from it. Yeah. I wonder if that's why, um, actual plays seem to get quite a draw, which is surprising to me because I, there's very few that I can really like sink into. And, and I think it's part of me for whatever reason, when I listen to podcasts, I can, it's fine and better or easier, but when it's, and I should say regular talkie talkie podcast, but when it's actual play, I don't, I don't get into them quite as deep. That's just me regardless. But I think a lot of them have a pretty big following 
And maybe it's because of that. Maybe they want to listen well, we, to the game and then how the game master p- runs it and listens that way. Well, we've talked know. about this before, right? Is that if you want to learn how to run a game, like I don't, I've never played Dungeon Crawl Classics before. Is there an actual play out there? I like to listen to it and see how how they quote unquote do it right. Whatever it is, that that is probably a draw for a number of folks out there. I know it would be for me, um, but. It's I guess it's the this the search to not fail, right? You don't want to have a bad, horrible, god awful game experience where the players flip the table at you, throw dice at you, and tell you you suck. Um But I think the the main the main piece here, and I'm overstating it again, but is that we're gonna fail. And that's okay. And I think then <clears throat> as game masters we can accept it. We could say, hey, here's a couple tips or tricks that we've tried that have really worked for us. Um I remember reading um I think it was John Tynes, who the pup, Puppet Land, and he had a website, God, this is forever ago, where he listed out things he had done as a game master. I believe I've talked about this on the show before, where he talked about crazy modulating his voice, yelling, screaming, throwing a chair across the room, like pointing at a player and like <laughs> yelling at them, kind of very aggressive. And if you've met me, you know can, I can be a, a touch aggressive when that, when needed. And <laughs> Sean's giving me the, <laughs> don't hit me face. <laughs> anyway. Um, knowing when to amp that up or yell or do different things. That was a tip I, I picked up from there and a couple other places about modulating my voice. And after I tried the, the sound effects thing, I went, fuck that. I can't do that. I can yell though. I can whisper. I can fake cry. I can do a British accent. I can try to talk with a slight French accent or something. You I can try. fake cry? No, you just, oh my God. You know, just something. Oh, you just, you, you oh, mockingly yeah. do it. It's kind of, yeah. as Ed Greenwood has said, it's kind of ham acting. You you amp it up. You, ah. chew, you chew the scenery with it. But the point is, is that that comes easier for me than artificial or not, yeah. not you know, I, I don't control, you know, having to control other keyboards and players and other things to do. And I think one of the reasons that I've really been able to grow in that space is because most of the players that have stuck with me and that I've played with for the past 20 plus years in my group are all really good at letting me fail. We've come to, they said, you know what, Brett, this sounds like a really cool game. When the first time I brought Trail of Cthulhu to the group, I read my book, Hounds of London Game. No one had ever played it before. I was the only person that ever really read the rules. Kevin had read them, but he came in later. I said, I really like this. I think it'll be fun. And, uh, <laughs> Excuse me. They were a little rough at the beginning. Uh, L- Lenny was a little tough on. I don't understand these rules or what's this or that. But once we got into it, they gave me a chance to to run it and push and see what we could do with it. And we all had a really great time with it. I've played other games when I tried to run Savage Worlds for them. It failed. I didn't do something right. And I talked about that when you, Ron, and uh, Christian, and I were talking. It was like abysmal fucking flameout, and everyone let me fail. We got out there. We tried. We thought we knew what was going on. They they thought this would all work, and it didn't. It just completely died. And no one went, you suck, and I wasn't booted off the table. They went, wow, that didn't work. Well, hopefully we can figure it out and come back to it. Let's do something else. And I think that type of camaraderie at the table is the thing that allows me to keep failing and go, wow, I tried that. That didn't freaking work and keep moving forward. Sean and a question. Sean and a doesn't question. have that though, because every time Sean fails, we just zap him. That's true. Electric shock, shock therapy. You can turn things qu- around quite quickly. Yeah, you can. Yeah, Sh- like through electric shock therapy. Hey, I got a question for you. Okay. So, do you think 
that there are individuals that are out there that just cannot GM. That that it is inherently impossible for them to be not to be a game master because all you have to do is pick up a book and like run a game. That's different. What I'm to maybe be good. even yeah, I mean, good is kind of relevant is uh, relative too, but um, I don't know. So I've worked in customer service before. There are some people that cannot empathize with customers to save their life, right? They aren't very good customer. Like when you get graded on customer service, it's like, did you show empathy? Did you understand and listen to what they had to say? And there are some that are just How do you measure all these immeasurable things? Right. Yes. And there are some people that are just better at it than others. It's that joke of the, uh, you could sell, you know, you could sell dirt to farmers. You could sell, you know, water to a sailor. You've got stuff. How the hell does this guy able to sell used cars to anybody? How, how is this possible? There is, I think one of the cool things about our hobby and from a failing perspective, the other piece I believe is that when I tried to run, I've tried to run my style of game the way I run it for a number of different groups over the years. And I've had a number of people, I've talked about this before as well, who've come into my gaming group and then have faded away for a number of different reasons. Time, they can't make it, they moved away, whatever. But the main reasons people are not still with me is because they don't like what I'm doing or they don't like the rest of the players because of how we game. So I believe that as a game master, if you have a style, if your style is what I would consider dry, boring, by the book, but if I take a bunch of negative connotative words and crammed them into, this is how Sean runs, goddammit, which is not how you run, by the way. But if I were to say, this is this guy named Sean P. Kelly, and this is how he runs, this sucks. If you found the right group, you'd be fine. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I, I believe that because there are groups that are uh, old grognards out there who like to play a certain type of OSR game that let the dice fall where they may, do this, do that. They want a certain approach that other people may find abysmal or appalling or just the worst, most boring goddamn dungeon crawly bullshit in the world. If they find the right group, they're in heaven. Yeah. And I think it's not only failing at your skill set, like, oh my God, I didn't do this right. And sometimes it's like, I don't have the right group. And that's where, from the player's perspective, you need to be able to say, look, I'm going to work with this game master. This is what they're doing. If they're going to play in a way that I don't like to play, I either adjust my play style or I might have to bow out or maybe not play with this group because, hey, Brett runs like this. He's got six other players in there. Who the hell am I? as a new person to tell them that Tabby can't play because I don't like what she's doing. She's been here for 20 years. You know, you're not going to kick her out. Um, but anyway, short version to get back to your, uh, to the actual question. I don't think that it is a bad game master. I think it's a game master who hasn't found a group of plays like him yet. Or so her. failing to realize that would be a failure. Yes. <laughs> that whole concept of, my group sucks or they don't understand me. This it's almost a weird prima donna-ness where you're right. like, Hey, look, I, this is how I just, how I game master. You better fucking get used to it. I just let the dice fall and you all die. And then if I'm gaming with you, Tim Jensen and a couple other folks, I don't think Tim's going to like that too much. I met Tim at game hole last year. And based on what he says in our community, I don't think that's Tim's not going to be old school guy, Gaxian dungeon crawl, guy at least from what i can read what he's got maybe and tim you'll think it depends on what game you're playing exactly but if you're playing if you're like look i like to play ad and d first edition god damn it that's all i like to play 
And you got a group of folks who are like, well, I want to play uh, Savage Worlds. I want to play this small book game. I want to play Night Witches. <laughs> You've got the wrong group. And refusing to adjust, right, and say, well, I like to play D&D. And the group might say, well, yeah, okay, we'll give you a shot to play D&D. They play D&D for a campaign go, wow, that was fun. We'd like to now do something else. Sean, could you run Star Wars again? And, you know, realizing that you're not the guy to run Star Wars. You're not the person who can run any of those games. I'm not a good, I would be a shitty Star Wars game master. I think I'm a good game master, but I would be a shit Star Wars game master because I don't know anything about the fucking universe. I vaguely remember bits and pieces from movies I've seen, but the IP that you guys know and the way the system works and everything else, that's not my, that's not my style. It's not what I do. So understanding what you do well and what you don't do is big. I totally went off. I totally went off the reservation there. I don't know. What, I, <laughs> I think went. you're fine. Dude. Oh my god, where am I? What happened? I think you're fine. No, I What's think that's on? part of the deal, though. Too is like failing to realize that you may not be GMing the right game, or maybe you're not GMing to the right group, the right game with the right group. I don't know. It could be a few different things at play. So I'm talking a lot here, as usual. So I'm going to throw it back at you, Sean. What do <laughs> yeah, you? Go ahead, man. I'll what, catch it. I'll catch what, it man. what have you? Hey, give it to me, man. What have you tried to do that's failed? A new thing you've tried that's failed. And what have you new thing they tried that one for you? Oh shit! Give me man. one of each. Tell me, uh, I, I, I'm seriously. Just so folks know, I've been interviewing people a lot lately. So have you? This, now yeah, you're in the interview mode. I'm in interview mode. <laughs> nice. Tell me about a time exactly that you just, could not get the customer <laughs> to agree with your ass. And just so you know, when I do interview, I never ask those questions. I hate those questions. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them. How how questions are good though? Yeah. Oh, that's totally different. But. Tell me about a time. Yeah, situation. Bore the bullshit. crap out of me. Anyhow, yeah. go for it. Uh, can you repeat them so I have time to yes. think about them again? So, what have you tried that you failed at? Give me something. What have I tried that I have failed at? Yeah, you tried like you tried a new trick. You went, "Hey, this guy, I read this thing, or this guy on this site says I should do this deal, and I'm trying it, and it's a abysmal goddamn flame out. I'm never doing that again." I've tried running a campaign with the thought in mind that I will never end. Or it'll be very, very, very long. And then I go, nah, it's not going to, no. So you tried running the never-ending campaign? Not Maybe not never-ending. That maybe just a little bit too much. But starting off going, this is going to be the greatest campaign in the world. Expe- and- expectations way high. <laughs> this is going to be a super awesome one through level 20 D&D Pathfinder. Burp, 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 burp. Not so good. My attention span, man. I cannot play and run a game for, I don't know what it is. I cannot play a game. I cannot run a game for a year, which is weird. Well, I mean, I played Living Force for a long time, but I don't know why. I honestly don't know how I did that over multiple years. So if you, I mean, you like D&D 5e, right? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a fine game. So if I were to say, Sean, you're going to run a D&D 5e game. I want to run a campaign. We're going to play every week for a year. You'd be like, oh, fuck no. Actually, it's funny. I think playing may be different, and it or depends. Running. Let's on, say say you're going to run. You're going to run for yeah, a year. It's never. It's well, uh, maybe uh, every week. Every week every, for a year. Every week for a year. Four hours. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> four, four hours. Four <laughs> I guess. Hours I guess what, what I'm pointing at is that you you said that you, the attention span thing, and if that's true, dude, I'm the guy got gamer ADD, man. Squirrel. But that's important, <laughs> though, right? Because then when you that's run, right. when you ran when you're running the Star Wars game, like, look, it's going to go from here to here. Right. And that's where it goes. And we know yeah. right now we've got one we have one session left. We know that. That's totally fine. Well, it could go on forever. Well, it could. And it will. It will. It's not like the end of like it's not the end end. 
but it will be the end until we call it back. Until I get a fire burning in my ass that want, that I want to run and play it and pick it up where it ended and see where it goes. That's the classic, hey, we'll retire these characters for now. Doon, 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 to be continued. And we pick it up five books later or you never know when. Right. Yeah. Now, I could fail to realize this and force the issue, which would result in chate games. Exactly. Yes. Because I've done a similar thing where... I set out, I was going to run a really short, this is how I got into running Vampire for 15 years, was I set out at one point, I was going to run a really short uh, stint of games, like one, two nights, maybe a one or two night stand type of thing. This is all we're going to do. And at the end of the first session, the group was like totally into it. I'm like trying to wrap this up. And they looked at me like, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you, why are you forcing this? Let's just keep going. I'm like, okay. So it's kind of that if you... How do I do this? If you, from your perspective anyway, if you've realized that, look, I've got gamer ADD and I like to play D&D and when I'm done or I like to run D&D, I'm done with D&D now. I'd like to go run this other thing. You might as yeah. well, you might as well acknowledge that and not sign yourself <laughs> up to run and I have, the entire, I have, you know, yes. the entire uh, against the giant series, you know, all and the I have done that. With it. I've done that with groups. I came in, I'm going to start a new campaign. They're like, yeah, not interested because you're probably going to fizzle out in a few months. And that's fine. And if I just position it that way, like, hey, we're going to run this for up until this end of this arc or a time period and then call it a day. But I think I've misled people. This is sad. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you tried? What have you tried new or improved or a tip or a trick that you've tried that has worked out for you? They're like, hey, I do this said, thing. hey, we're only going to play until <laughs> this long and that's going to be it. We're going to wrap it up no matter what the hell's going on. Nothing. You haven't like read or anything like, hey, Gnome Stew said this or anything like that. Oh, God. I'm not just pimping Gnome Stew here. Oh, just... problem with me and reading is like, man, you want to put this guy to sleep, dude? Just give me a book, which yeah. is really, it sucks. I hate that. Well, you listen to more podcasts than I do. I do. A gaming podcast as well. Do I you, do. Have you hear, heard anything from them and go, I'm going to do this, and then tried it and it worked? Um, You know, I got to really, I got to take some notes. No, I don't. I got to sit, I mean, I listen to them and I take little nuggets away, but I haven't, it's kind of weird, man. I, I feel as though I'm in a GM rut, and I'll, I'll explain this in a second. Well, I'll explain it right now. What the hell? But I think it's kind of like... Dude, I hate to say it. We've been in corporate America and you get those people that like, that's the way we've always done it. And I got a feeling that some of the habits I have in the a at the age I have, or the age I am, I don't know, man. There's some things that I'm like, okay, we're going to start off and this is the way it starts. And then it's going to go this way. And then it's all kind of like box in within Sean's box. And I got to get out of that box. I got to get into... Listening and maybe reading some of the the stuff that, you know, Engine Publishing has put out and Johnny Wick and all those guys and just sit down and say, because the thing is, is like GMing to me, there's a core piece of GMing when it's a, when I say, as I relate to GMing in the traditional sense, which is like D&D games, Edge of the Empire, Star Wars, Anything with a game master. And I'm not talking about story games like Fiasco or some of the other ones that may not be heavily related to GM Fiat. So having said that, I have to kind of get out of 
that space, but at the same time, you're in that space. Does that make even sense? Well, it does. I mean, I guess there is the, so you're not afraid to fail, which is cool. I just feel as though I'm doing the same shit every time I I run a game. And if it's the same shit, which is fine, but I don't think it's doing my players or myself any favors without expanding myself. So this kind of goes back to to Tim's uh, uh, email to it or Google Plus Plus. We should have a therapist here right now. (laughs) This is turning into a therapy session. Jesus Christ, I guess. I know, right? But I guess what, what I'm getting at, though, is you're saying you're not afraid to fail at it, which is cool. You want yeah, to do something. You want to do something different. You just got to find out what that different thing is and give it a, and give it a go. Well, and I think that's p- part of the thing is is I, I I don't know. I have to talk to my therapist, but maybe he or she would tell me that that's why I buy different games. Like you buy different games because you're hoping that you're going to find something that is different in your approach. So this game facilitates it because it's a different game. And you go, oh, that's different than D&D, even though I'm a game master. But I got to do X and Y. So this game is much better. And I don't even know better, but different, right? Yeah, just a slightly different attack. Like Dungeon World, right? <sighs> so maybe I take D&D and hack the shit out of it because I've got all these awesome other cooler little things that I can implement. That which, isn't really part of this game. Which is what I've been doing with my D&D games is I hack the shit out of it at this point. <sighs> I shouldn't say act the shit up. I add add different components or features that I like from other things that I've read, but I want to keep a certain core mechanic. But I guess the um, how do I do this? So the the interesting piece is that I think I played with you a couple times now, and you run games at conventions. Um, one shots, one shots, one shots yeah. are a little different. I think true, yeah. but you're trying something different though, right? Oh yeah, you know every time you've run like the uh, Force Five from Alderaan, you're doing uh, Glorious Bastards. Um, Star Wars game. I don't the, think I've ever run the same game at a con. Like it might be the same type of game system, but I don't know if I've ever run the same game. Which is cool. I mean, that's that's one of those things. I guess where I'm going is that the, the cool piece that what I'm hearing you say is that you don't want to. You're not afraid to fail. It's something you're going to try it. If it doesn't work, oh well, fuck it. I'll scrap it. I've got a gamer ADD anyway. I'll grab something else and try it. <clears throat> and reading the other books, checking out the other game systems and stuff, I think is, is key to that because you'll find something you're like, hey, I want to try this. Well, even if I don't play with my quote-unquote regular group, I'll run it at a game convention. I'm not playing Savage Rules with anybody else. I'll try it here. If it's an abysmal blowout, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> Worst case is these men and women think I'm a moron. I'll just move on from there. Um, right. And, and it, it may it, not be because of the game. So I'm, I'm all right with that. So I'm all right there. <laughs> but I think the the important piece, I guess, again, to, we can probably wrap this here because I'm back in my death cycle. But we, as game masters, we're going to fail. And I don't think I think the best thing from a from a player's perspective to do is be supportive of the failure. Let the game master try something. And if it doesn't work, honest, non-critical feedback. We've talked about that before. Or I should say critical, but not asshole-ish feedback. Like, look, hey, we didn't like, didn't work. Let's try something different. And um as the game master, don't be focused on every session needs to be perfect. Don't worry that this session may have sucked. See if you can pick up the next one. If you got three, four sessions that are no good and they're just not working for you, maybe you need to scrap the campaign at that point. But you don't have to be perfect. And I think that I know I feel that sometimes where I, I'm super uber self-critical. I'm not good enough. I'm failing at this. Damn it. I wish I was a better game master. Well, if only I would have tried harder. Part of it is my passion for the hobby. And part of it is, you know, I, I'm sometimes worried about failing. And I think uh, the older I get at it, the less I give a shit. I'm like, whatever, that didn't work. <laughs> Fuck it. Okay, I'll try the next thing. 
Yeah. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, well, I can always go back to D&D if I have to. Hey, that was fun. Get my get my confidence back, and I'll thrust myself back into to this other game I've never played before. Anyway, folks, <laughs> I think this show and I really went off on a ramble here. We, we tried to be organized. Didn't go so well. But anyway, I'm interested in your thoughts, as we always are, around um, Game Master's failure and that type of thing. So throw us what you got. Give us some thoughts and ideas. I think... Um, we threw a lot of shit out there, so we probably could fine tune this in another episode. <laughs> anyway, let's move on before we get worse. Die roll. Episode, episode. Segment of the show where we bring two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery to you. Brett's got two, I've got four, and we've had we've got three listeners that are contributing. Yeah, that's right. So ahead, Brett. as Modi has acquired F2Z Studios, that means Z-Man Games, Plaid Hat, and uh, Philosophia. So as Modi continues its massive land grab. Waka, waka, waka. Woo, woo, Yeah, they've got waka, Pandemic, waka, waka, Dead of Winter, waka. Carcassonne, Catan. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's a, bi- it's a big deal. It's a big deal within the I don't uh, know if it's cool, man. I get worried about these big guys gobbling up everybody because then they're just going to be this big, huge behemoth. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get good point. Good point. Interesting, though. Yes. The other piece is a bit of, um, so I got a, I was able to do a guest spot on Down With Um, (gasps) D&D. Yeah. So freaking Traitor. I know. Sneezek uh, pulled uh, me, Mark Napek. And- <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nice. No, he's not. <laughs> this is me getting him back for the other thing. Hey, I have to check our contract, man. Do I you? think I might be able to hold you to something here. All right, fine. I'll buy the next be, beer. It might uh, be a lawsuit in this. The next motorcycle ride, I'll buy the first round there. That's how that goes. Uh, we can overlook that we clause. We can overlook that clause. <laughs> so uh, Mark and Tom, uh, Tom from Nights of Night, Mark Napek, um, Queen City Conquest guy and a former uh, co-host of Misdirected Mark. The three of us were on with uh, Chris Nizak and we talked with some D&D stuff on their latest episode. It was, what does D&D mean to you? you know, it was kind of the general topic and we went through that. It was pretty cool. So link what? in the show notes, go out there, take a look, take a listen. I gotta, I, now I got to listen to another podcast to find out what is D&D to you, Brett? Yeah, you might. You, well, I'm not telling you now. No, you can't. I can't. Because it's probably against their contract. It is. It is. Right. So fuck. <laughs> Over to you, sir. Uh, internal internal layout of the Millennium Falcon in IO nine. I think they finally formalized the internal layout of that thing, which is probably people scratching their head because they've probably had this layout in place ever since Episode Four back in nineteen seventy seven. But whatever. I thought it was pretty cool. Check it out. And if you're living under a rock, or maybe you're just simply not um, in the same channels online, Star Trek RPG is coming in the summer of 2017. Um, it's coming from Modifius. They're also, they do U- Mutant Year One, Mutant Year Zero, what have you. Mutant Chronicles, Conan, Octon Cthulhu. Yeah. So they do quite a bit of games. They're going to put out this, they got the license for Star Trek probably to coincide with Star Trek Discovery. If you don't know what Star Trek Discovery is, go out and Google it and find out the first trailer for that. That was released at San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. And this is recorded July, end of July 2016. Anyways, 
Um, yeah, so I'm pretty stoked. I may be. I might pay for. I mean, I might buy that one. Really? I I played Star Trek FASA. Oh, okay. That was the last. That was when I played Star Trek was FASA. Like yeah. literally, I think it was the second RPG I'd ever played. Top Secret and Star Trek FASA were like number number two and three. Wow. Okay. Yep. And we played because uh, I, I hung around a bunch of Star Trek nerds when I was a kid. And no one I knew growing up was a Star Trek person. I just no. was not part of my DNA. My buddy Jeff thinks he's still Captain Kirk. <laughs> uh, and so now he's torn between Darth Vader and Captain Kirk. Or anyways, but uh, he had done like Decipher. He bought books. But like the time I was out of role-playing games, that's when kind of Decipher was in the play. I think there's another property in there somewhere. But I may jump on this one. Uh, my buddy Jimmy is a big Decipher Star Trek guy. He runs them at cons um, on occasion, but yeah, I'll probably pick that up because I think it spans everything too. I think it spans like classic Trek and Voyager, Next New Gen, Generation, all that stuff. Yeah. Cool, yeah. neat. So I'm, yeah, and you can continue with the Star Trek ride wagon. Uh, the documentary for the Love of Spa kickstarted. Uh, you can now pre-order it and see the online trailer, which I'll have a link to. Um, that releases September 9th, um, and that kind of hits you in the feels because it talks about Leonard Nimoy. It's, his son said, hey, you know what? We should you know, record kind of your venture and your journey and blah, blah, blah. And his dad was like, yeah, sounds good. And so he, I, I, I failed to remember his name, but he's produced a documentary about his father, and it's called For the Love of Spock. Oh, very cool. Yeah. A lot of very kind words about Leonard Nimoy in that film, of course. And then number four for me, how not to run D&D for kids, tweens, and teens. And I found this on Triple Crit blog. So some of the folks have written in and said, hey, how do I get my kids into role-playing games? And how does Brett do it? And blah, you know, whatever. So this is a blog about some of the things that you don't want to do to your kids. Like one of them is like talking down to them or something like dumbing it down. I think Yeah, it was don't dumb points. it down. Don't rule yeah. lawyer up. Right. So there's, I thought it was a pretty decent article. I thought it could certainly relate to some of the gamer parents that want to get their kids into games, which is, I think, a huge deal. A lot of times when people ask, how do you do a thing? They want to know, kind of to our earlier attempted topic, is what don't you do, right? That's, right. Part, of, that's part of what you do is don't do these things. And well, this, this hits a couple, of, a couple of good ones. But see, and I think, I think we, Brett, our generation is the first to really kind of sit down and, and be able to pass that to kids, right? Because I don't know anybody I've anybody that is in our generation, Gen X, that have sat down and said, yeah, my parents taught me how to play D&D. No. No. We, we learned from like our older brothers yeah. or our other siblings, older siblings, neighbor, kids, friends, maybe cousins, relatives, Well, I mean, if, if there are folks out there who that is true of, there's not many. Right. I would just, you know, that we're the larger yeah, group. That's not impossible. Well, but we're the larger group. I get it. It's, so I think it, it is a good article. I, I did see it. I forgot to put it in mind. So I'm glad you snagged it out here. It's a good article. Yeah. That's what I have. All right. Listeners, Hawk Sparrow points us to a YouTube link on big battles and RPGs. Got some tips. Speaking of tips and tricks. Hawk was looking to do kind of some mass combat-y type stuff and how to make it interesting in RPGs. And a little YouTube link out there in the show notes. Take a look at it. I gave it a look. It's kind of interesting. I think um, 
Hawk may have uh, passed a, another topic to Sean and I about big combats and RPGs. There is kind of an art slash science to that, heavy on the art in my opinion, but that might be something for later. Chris Shore passed us a link as well to the first ever uh, Indigenous Comic Con. I misspelled Indigenous here. It is a uh, comics convention um, that basically puts uh, Native artists in the spotlight. So it's kind of cool. Go out there, link in the show notes. I think it is uh, pretty darn slick. Um, do, do, do. The other one is uh, Forrest Gary brought our attention to a library in the Paris Underground. So uh, there's a lot of, uh, I think a lot of folks out there know about the catacombs in Paris and so forth, but there is a, um, <laughs> there's a library of a carefully crafted collection of books that wait in perpetual darkness for wanderers in the underground uh, wearing head torches to disturb the silence and shine their light on dampened pages. It's just, just I look at this and I'm like, this is totally uh, gamer material. This is where a lich would hide. This is, uh, it's just good, good stuff. It's a good article, good, uh, some nice photos in there as well, so. Thank you, Forrest, Chris, and Hawk. I always appreciate your stuff there. Yes, thank you, everybody. Um, speaking of which, on the library in Paris Underground, and I think last week, uh, Kipthulu might have sent us one about the secret little back rooms of yes. libraries, right? You know, nobody has mentioned, especially here in Madison, I don't know if you know this, Brett, you know about the steam tunnels? Oh, yeah. I went to school yeah. here, dude. Yeah, but so nobody nobody's mentioned anything about our steam tunnels. So for those that are foreign to Madison, that's because of the chuds, man. Chuds, cannibalistic human underground dwellers. Duh, it's a eighties movies. Chuds, come on. Chuds, chuds. Yeah, right. Got it. Yeah, <laughs> chuds. Um. Anyway, so steam tunnels in Madison. Steam tunnels in Madison. So downtown Madison, a lot of the older buildings, including the capital of of Wisconsin and Madison. And the university buildings have, they used to heat them through the steam tunnels. So one massive network. And uh, they, I don't know if they go in there very often. There was a, there was supposedly a, a legend that there was a guy, I don't know if his name like Steam Tunnel Willie or whatever his well, name I, is. If you have steam tunnels on a college campus over the years, somebody somewhere is going to have, I mean... Yeah, it's going to come up. There's going to be a rumor somewhere. I wouldn't. There's probably an albino alligator down there too. Why not? But the, I heard they heard that I heard they they hired this guy, like the Madison Gas and Electric hired this guy to change light bulbs through all the steam tunnels because he knew him so well. Why not? I'll go I with mean, it. I, oh, I can't I'll, remember the sure. guy's name. Yeah, but <laughs> hey, you know, it's weird, weird story. But my buddy, my buddy uh, Dustin and I tried to get into him. It was not. It was not a good. It was not it a didn't good, work. Did not. It was not a good approach. Because <laughs> we were trying down by the union. You know, yeah. Like the union has like a inlet. Yeah, they do. And we thought, oh, we'll go through there and we'll get into the steam tunnels. Yeah, that's it. Didn't work very well. A lot of water. <laughs> a lot of water. Yeah. A lot of a lot of poor spelunking. Yes, it was. It was spelunking. It was kind of cool, but we were I don't know, over 16. your heads. Yeah, we were knuckleheads. Anyways. Um, want to thank you for joining the show. Uh, I also want to thank London Drake for the great review on iTunes. Thank you so much. He says Brett should run a game of Pendragon. Ooh. Yes. That box set is sitting up there calling me. Not a bad he mentioned, idea. It was, he's like on episode 33. Um, yeah, we talked mentioned. about games we hadn't played yet. Type of stuff. And yeah. He said that you should run of those. And then also thank you goes out to Gabriel D., 
for the kind and generous donation. So he's donated uh, a few few dollars to us and hadn't gone the Patreon route for whatever reason, and that's okay. Uh, so I wanted to let Gabriel know we received it and appreciate it, and thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, London Drake and Gabriel. That's very generous of, of you both. So what are we doing next week, Brett? Next week we're going to talk about rules we never use. Yeah, there's a couple rules that, regardless of the game system, that I know I never use. And I figure, well, uh, I'm figure Sean's got a couple out there too, because we learned so that Sean I is pick, a terrible. I just game pick master. up the book and go, "Here's the rule book," and then I throw it over my shoulder. <laughs> there, pretty easy. Wait, how can you play by the rules if you don't have the? Oh, you don't play it'll, by the rules. It'll be a short episode for Sean. Episode so, Sean, uh, ever run into this? Yeah, pretty much every game I run. Yep. I burn the rule books in front of the players <laughs> as a. Uh, homage to how much I gave a shit about that. I, I ask them to pass them all to their right and then I throw them promptly into the garbage. Yes. Go to the opening page and rip them out. That's what we do. This has been another fantastic episode of Gaming MBS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good gaming all. This episode of Gaming MBS presented to you by patrons like Jeff Rademacher, Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Old School DM, Forrest Aguirre, Tony Baker, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Palladian, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Knights of the Night Crew, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Marco Freulich, Wayne Humfleet, James Carpio, and the Pure Mongrel. Consider becoming a patron. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Whoa. Clear? I'll stop recording then.